0: It's time for your local weekly analysis. Slow County Public Policy and the Law with your host, Stu Jenkins. The union forever, hurrah boys, hurrah, down with the traitor! Welcome back to Slow County Public Policy and the Law only at K News 98.5. I'm your host, Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I help people protect their families and real estate with their estate plans. Since 1978, I have tried several thousand Slow County court cases. It has been my privilege to strike down unconstitutional election laws and city ordinances. And Enforce the voters' decision to ban cannabis billboards on Highway 101. And I've been honored to repeatedly serve as Superior Court Special Master. State Senator John Laird appeared on Slow County Public Policy and the Law, focused on bills in the state legislature that shape how offshore wind turbines and supporting harbor facilities may come to San Luis Obispo County. If you want to follow Assemblywoman Don Addis's Bill, number AB80, that creates an offshore wind energy entity, log into the State Senate's Appropriations Committee hearing scheduled for August 14th at 10 a.m. You can find the link to the State Senate and to Don Eddis' office on SLO County Public Policy and the Law's website at knews985.com. It's a pleasure to be here on K News 98.5 to bring you officials, lawyers, organizations, journalists and even individual citizens who help shape public policy and the law here in Slow County. Many of our listeners work at Vandenberg Air Force and Space Force Base, or they have family members who work there. Nuclear-armed nations right now are in open or simmering conflict. The U.S. is certainly in a Cold War now with Russia. Pakistan and India and China are all in conflict on their borders. China's in conflict with Taiwan, Iran, Israel and Korea all have nuclear weapons. But let's not panic. On the other hand, let's not be complacent. That's why I wanted to talk with George Sullivan about bomb shelters in our second hour. I'd like to introduce you to George Sullivan. He is a resident of San Luis Obispo County and he works in telecommunications and he's not gonna tell us anything that violates national security um, rules. Are you, George? Or my security rules. Or his own <laughs> security rules. <laughs> well, George, uh, right before we started on here, you said that you were living your childhood dream. Yeah.
1: And just for Tell this, me about that. the sake of etiquette, and, uh, could I address you as Stu?
0: Please call me Stu, George. Okay.
1: Well, we'll, now that uh, I can I call that.
0: you George?
1: Absolutely. We've been right. passing each other on the sidewalks of San Luis for many years. So Many years. I guess we can do that. So, yes, my childhood dreams. Huh? <clears throat> well, I am living my childhood dreams. In the 60s, uh, we all knew about duck and cover. I was in the sixth grade and, and uh, I remember my father telling me, if you see a flash, hit the ground, find a little place to drop into and uh, you may only get your backside burned. But uh, you know that did stick with me and I do remember uh, JFK and uh, uh, the near miss and close call we, uh, and we didn't have a nuclear bomb go off and uh, life was gonna be good forever. Well, after that time, I, uh, were living in a subdivision. Started building little underground forts of my own. Um, when they built homes in those days, they built lots of them at one time. They had a lot of scraps, and I was able to uh, dig a big hole and put two by fours across the top and plywood and covered up with dirt and and make my own little bomb shelter. Uh, and then I also learned that dirt is much heavier after a rain because. The roofs collapsed and then the next time I built them I built them with uh, the structural integrity needed for wet dirt and uh, So and here I am today. Uh, I think I'm an adult. I'm in my 70s and and uh, back in 2004 I had the opportunity to buy a real bomb shelter and So I I did and never connecting the the past with the present But uh, as I reel back, I realized that this is something I've always wanted and now I have it, and how lucky I am.
0: Well, now, now, uh, this real bomb shelter, I'm going to guess, is somewhere in this county. We're not going to necessarily uh, say where.
1: It's actually in, uh, on the fringe. It's in Kern County.
0: In Kern County. Okay. And um, there, bomb shelters were built for a lot of purposes. Um, you know, being, being just over 70 myself, I remember the Cuban Missile Crisis, and a lot of a lot of younger people don't know the kinds of tensions that and worries that people had during the Cold War uh, but uh, you know we all we were always taught that uh, it was a significant possibility and uh, in fact I can tell you during the missile crisis uh, uh, when we we blockaded Cuba um, it was significant enough that uh, my folks had us kids go out in the backyard and we started digging a bomb shelter, just in case. Uh, Of course, we lived at the time in Albuquerque, right next to where they stored all the missiles uh, or the bombs under a big hill outside of town. So we knew we were a target. Um, But the the, uh, bomb shelters have been placed in government buildings. Uh, In fact, there's one at the county courthouse if you're ever uh, in the in the new courthouse, there's actually a bomb shelter there. Um, uh, telecommunications companies probably have had to have bomb shelters on a, in a number of their facilities. Is that true?
1: Well, <clears throat> the term bomb shelter is uh, a little bit overemphasized. Uh, yeah. Well, the underground shelters or uh, any kind of shelter for that matter uh, has been around for a long time and. Uh, you can think of hurricane shelters, uh,
0: tornado, tornado, tornado shelters, shelters mm-hmm. the
1: list goes on. Um, just underground dwellings uh, are shelters. But, and yes, telecommunications uh, at one point uh, after this uh, scare of nuclear uh, incident uh, put in hardened routes, which are everything was buried underground. The repeaters, the power mains, all those things were all built to government specs and... Uh, they had nuclear blast detectors, blast valves to seal themselves off from the outside world. Um, everything worked on batteries. They had backup generators um, and supplies.
0: And, and I suppose, um, you know, what I always remember is that you had to have a certain number of weeks of food and water uh, in those kinds of shelters so that uh, you could survive long enough to come out
1: and, and okay. that was there as well um it was primarily the air you know you didn't you didn't want to go outside until a minimum of three days after the blast mm-hmm. and they also uh, stocked uh first aid kits manuals uh, to read to so if you have a symptom you, you know what drug you should take and how to take it and my goodness uh, there was a lot of preparation uh for that done and uh, But, you know, telecommunications is a backbone of our our country, uh, uh, as are roads and bridges, but to be able to communicate with each other, not just within the boundaries of the country, but outside the boundaries. So it was imperative that we had a network that was hardened and uh, reliable and properly maintained.
0: Well, if I remember right, George, um, there's actually a uh, deep bunker just off of uh, Los Osos Valley Road, uh, where the cable from uh, is it Japan, mm. undersea cable comes in. Uh, actually, uh, yes. Uh, there's what's going to
1: Australia, um, other parts of the world, China, other other places, and I couldn't tell you exactly which cables are in service. Um, sure, but uh, it was government stuff, and uh, and it was built to the integrity of government you know, their standards, but it's a much bigger and robust n- uh network these days
0: and it's designed to not only survive a nuclear uh strike uh, well or nearby but it, it's designed so that we can uh communicate with the nations uh, uh across yeah. the ocean and it isn't the uh is the uh you know we've got a hotline to uh. president putin's office don't we <laughs> Well, so they say. So they say, and I have every reason to believe that. Yeah.
1: But uh, what I will say is that you know, security, uh, your conversations, access to all telecommunication sites, regardless of the company, all of that stuff is is uh, well monitored, and uh, so it's more about um, <clears throat> not just corporate security, but national security uh, is what the, all telecommunications uh, have on their backbone when they do business.
0: Well, and that's really important for people's lives. Uh, if you think about uh, almost everything is digitized these days. And uh, so if you want to get a hold of records, uh, for instance, the uh, the county of San Luis Obispo has a fine library, law library, which is not too far away from the bomb shelter that's built into the building, I might add. Right. Uh, but... Um, You know, if if all the telecommunications go down, there's no uh, Internet access to Westlaw, LexisNexis, government records uh, of any kind. And the only place you can get those would be in the law library or in a real library. Um, And and, um, so Mm -hmm. it's important for you folks to guarantee that we can all communicate.
1: Well, you know, I would probably rather use the term... uh a safe house, because it's, okay. it's all about safety, not, right. uh, not <clears throat> just the integrity of the network, but also for the people that work there uh, and the community that uh, hosts these locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, what was out on Las Osos Valley Road is still a communication site, to my knowledge, um, but it, the hardened aspect of these, this network is not the same. Uh, what has hmm. improved is more people in the business, Um, a much larger, uh, robust grid. So if something goes down, there's something else to take its place. There's backup. Well, it's just- Or alternate uh, routes for- And just the type of transmission from the old analog network to time division multiplexing to what resembles basically an ethernet, a worldwide network, you know. So that's, so even time division multiplexing in the digital world is kind of old school.
0: Well, tell us about the bomb shelter you bought. Uh, or well, the bunker you bought.
1: Well, it was a telecommunication site, and it was uh-huh. up for sale, and uh, everybody had access. To, uh, I went through a realtor back east, and the big boys and and local boys were bidding on it. And uh, it was a silent bid. Nobody nobody knew what anyone else was bidding. So uh, there was a minimum bid requirement, and a lot of people tried to get it for next to nothing. And uh-huh. I, I, my bid was basically nothing plus a lot more. <laughs> and... Uh,
0: <laughs> you, you wanted that that bomb shelter
1: well I think of other things I've wasted my life on so I, uh, I felt that even though it was a little bit more than I wanted to spend uh, the price was just right
0: folks you're listening to slow County public policy and the law and given the times we're here talking with George Sullivan about bomb shelters at k news 98.5 um, George um, did when you bought this bunker you um, Did it come equipped?
1: Well, it it didn't have... The water system wasn't working. Power was turned off. Uh, Basically, the peripherals were down. And I bought it as is. And uh, it was cash and uh, a a quick claim deed. So it was released. I inherited whatever. And uh, um, so I, you know, inch by inch, got everything working again. And uh, it's... uh, 12,800 square feet of building, 30 feet underground. Wow. And uh, it's, uh, you know, some people work on old cars and uh, work on old buildings.
0: Well, 12,000 square feet of building underground is, uh, you could house quite a few people in there, couldn't you? Uh, for a while. For a l- little while? I think they eventually yeah. not like each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, you know, I'm just guessing that this is sort of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, uh, is it? Is it? have it, its own well, or
1: it, I act? Believe it or not, I have community water. I have my own underground water storage tanks. I got a couple of them. Wow! I got big meters that tells me how much what my fluid levels are. Uh-huh. I have my own pressure system. I actually have my own public works room where I have my sewage injection pumps, hot water heater, pressure vessel,
0: and and so well, you said sewage. Yeah. Does that go into a, it's, it's, a community supply, or does it go out to a no, septic system? How does that work?
1: Oh, the bathroom, there's actually a mezzanine level where uh, you have gravity, and uh, the toilet flushes down, and it goes into a tank down below, and the tank uh, has a pump, and the pump pushes the fluids and up, uphill to a septic tank that's underground mm-hmm. and far away from the building, and there's actually a gray water system and uh, a black water system.
0: Now, it's been a long time since I studied plans for bomb shelters, Um, but I can tell you I did in in the old days, because we all had to. Um, uh, How do you get air, fresh air into this uh, underground bunker?
1: Well, the air circulation is is via blast valves. The air has to go through valves, because if there's a nuclear blast, those valves need to be shut.
0: They need to shut. So
1: the air goes in, uh, circulates through the room, uh, and uh, uh, there's louvers for one-way air mo- motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also air directed to the condenser tubes for the air conditioning, um, or the uh, air filtration system for the engine room. That's underground, and uh, um, it was built in the '60s, so it was vacuum tube technology then. So they had to make it habitable for the people that worked there. Sure. So you had air conditioning.
0: Sure. And. Um you know, when I did study this long ago, uh, filtration systems often uh, depended on the fact that uh, radioactive substances are pretty heavy, mm-hmm. even though they're airborne because they're so small.
1: Let me interrupt on that a filtration system. Not only does it have great filters, it also had a, has a water system where the air goes through a, a basically a, a spray uh-huh. So it, it goes through a water bath. okay, And so they air coming out the other end is pretty well scrubbed. And that air is primarily for running through the engine to cool the radiator.
0: Wow. For the generators. For the generators. And uh, not for breathing.
1: Um, uh, yes, it is. It's that too.
0: That too. Okay. Um, folks, you're listening to George Sullivan. We're talking about bomb shelters right here on... KNews Um, 98.5. How's our time, JC? JC is our executive producer, folks. He's the silent partner in this uh, broadcast. Okay. One of the things I wanted to uh, talk to you about, George, was uh, when people, if people want to have a shelter uh, on their own property, uh, are there uh, things that they need to think about doing?
1: Um, well, of course, uh, any architect is going to, or a structural engineer is going to be talking elevations, and and uh, and you've got to think of the lowest point of that project, uh, and so you can dig for that point, and then you build it from the hole in the ground up. You typically you're going to want to put your access to your structure and everything from within the house. So in a sense, you're going to build your house above. The container that you have buried in the ground with your supplies and uh, life supports.
0: Now, do you? um, uh, Once upon a time, the ethic was that you didn't get a permit and you didn't tell anybody about the fact that you were building one, because the theory was if you had one, your desperate neighbors in a nuclear attack might actually attack you. And
1: and that is the theme of a number of movies. Yes. So it's it's for real.
0: Well, I, I'm not sure that we should say all the movies are real, but well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's stuff that people can
1: relate to. Sure, you that's know, right. It's like hunger. You know, no one really understands mm-hmm. hunger until you've
0: been until hungry. until you've been hungry. And uh, so, the, uh, when you now that you have your bomb shelter, oh. of course, uh, you know where you're located. Uh, well, heck, I've, I've seen tornadoes in the valley. Um, yeah. This would also be a good place for you to retreat to if there was a tornado.
1: Well, <clears throat> the best scenario is to build your safe your safe haven uh, below your home. Mm-hmm. And, and where I live in the National Forest, that would be very useful because if there was a forest fire, I'd just go downstairs. Go downstairs. And latch the door shut and have my communication set up so I can... Measure the outside temperature, <laughs> things like that. You know,
0: you and, can do that with your bomb
1: shelter, right? Uh, uh, I can. I, I don't monitor outside air temperature, but I can. You could, uh, but yeah. you know, you can see there's a lot of opportunity if you build a, a safe house uh, for people who live in the forest. It would be for fire. People who live in proximity of tornadoes. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to build a safe house. Uh, I'm not a prepper. I'm not somebody that is waiting for the next big one. You know. Oh, I know that. Uh,
0: yeah, the, this is—nobody's uh, waiting for the big one, but uh, yeah. there's nothing wrong with being prudent. Yeah. The, the other thing that uh, I have to ask you about is maintaining a 12,000-square-foot underground home, basically. Look, look what, at it this way. What do you do? It's all underground. It's all underground.
1: There's nothing to paint. <laughs> there's nothing to get dirty. It's all filled, kept clean. Uh, my water system's tight. Uh, the thing is well alarmed, uh, so I don't even really have to worry about intruders because the law enforcement will be there really fast.
0: Well, now, and do you do you have to rotate food in and out or I, supplies? I,
1: I do have some MREs. Uh, I have some, a lot of girls got uh, cookies and candies and things. That, I, But, no, I, I have some... Uh, potato chips I got a microwave oven and and an assortment of junk food that probably should be thrown away
0: you're going to be uh, uh, going right over to the Girl Scout uh, office there on Churro Street (laughs) (laughs) to pick up your and I stashed
1: a couple bottles of wine you know just in case just in case because you know if you're the last person alive you probably want to have a glass
0: of wine Uh, (laughs) 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 well hopefully you have some some people with you yes yes um Now, do you have to, uh, how often do you have to go and maintain this I I go out
1: there. I used to go about every couple weeks. Uh I've been shortening the, I mean, lengthening the duration because I'm taking care of a mother. So I I have to go visit her at the other end of the spectrum up by San Francisco. Sure. And um, so my time is, and plus my job, and I have a wife that we need to go do do other things. Sure. And uh, so uh, it's not as frequent. When I originally bought it, I was... Pretty busy out there, bringing things back, putting it back. It's like buying an old battleship, or an old ship. You know, it takes a while to get it back into its operating condition.
0: George, um, when you when you bought this, uh, is there ever a time when you regret having purchased a 12,000 square foot underground bunker? Not
1: at all. It could be 110 degrees on the surface. If I go down there; it's seven degrees, seven zero. And uh, I'm watching an old 1960s television set with my 1960s fake book guitar music, my guitar down there, and life is beautiful.
0: I'll be. <laughs> well, that is great. And, uh, of course, if there was the big one, you wouldn't be getting 1960s television transmissions anymore.
1: That, but would, that would be what alerted me that we had a problem. The TV would quit working. <laughs> I would not hear it, though. I guarantee you that.
0: Okay. Well... There we are. Well, that's wonderful, George. Well, thank you for telling us about your bomb shelter here on News 98.5. We're going to be back with Slow County Public Policy and the Law right after this news break.